Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. First up, I want to thank our supporting partners who make this podcast possible, and today that's Magura, Leia and Kushkor. As you probably know, I've been running the Magura MT7 Pro brakes all year and I've been really impressed by them. For me, they're the best brakes I've ever used. The power is incredible, but it's completely controllable and they're the only brakes that I've been able to keep working just as well as when I first fitted them. I used the performance pads and the pad life has been excellent and I've found them super easy to bleed as well. Since fitting them, I've never had to worry about being able to slow down. In addition to all of that, Magura have their customised your brake programme, which means you can get the brakes set up perfectly for you. There are multiple options for lever shape, pad compound, disc and some aesthetic changes to perfectly match it up with your ride. I found that the perfect setup for me is the standard performance pads and the HC wide reach lever, which was designed for low it, but I find works really well for me. You can check out the entire range of Magura brakes and the customise your brake programme over at magura.com. I've been trying some of Layout's most recent collection of clothing and I've been really impressed. For me, there's been a few standout items. Last week, I told you about the awesome Trail 1.0 jacket, which has become a permanent fixture in my riding pack. And today, I want to tell you about the Trail 3.0 shorts. The Trail 3.0 shorts are a light trail riding short that, for me, were the perfect cut. They're quite slim fit without being tight anywhere and they aren't super long but work really well with knee pads. The material is stretchy and quiet and also comes with a coating that protects it from mud, water and staining. The waist is easily adjustable for the perfect fit and they come with a super comfortable Italian made chamois liner. They tick all the boxes for me and were my choice for race day at the EWS 100. If you want to check out what Layout have to offer, then you can see the entire range over at layout.com and you can get hold of them at your local bike shop or online. While you're here, don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. There's buttons to help you get that done over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe. Merch is available if you want to support the show. That's over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. The second issue of our print project, Downtime EP, is now available too. Packed full of great writing and amazing photography from Mountain Biking's Best, it takes some of the topics and guests from the podcast and brings them into something beautiful to read and cherish. You can get your copy or an annual subscription over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. And a massive thank you to everyone who's been sharing it and for all the lovely feedback we've had. We're really glad you're enjoying it. All the links you need for all of this stuff are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. You can also get in touch and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook by heading to at downtimepodcast. This episode is also supported by Kushkor. If you've been listening for a while, then you'll know I'm a big fan, but you don't need to trust me as there are literally heaps of the world's top downhill and EWS racers using them week in, week out. Kushkor were kind enough to put me in touch with this week's guests, Finn Isles and his mechanic Kev Jolly. We'll be chatting with them in just a second, but if you want to check out Kushkor's full range of inserts, then you can do that over at kushkor.com. Finn Isles and Kev Jolly are a rider mechanic combo that are doing big things in World Cup downhill racing right now, with two second places already this season, despite Finn suffering a pretty serious concussion earlier in the season. We sat down to chat about how they work together and get some insight into the process that they use, which enabled them to take a brand new prototype bike and race it to second place on its first ever race outing. That result shows how well these two work together and how well they understand the challenges of setting up a fast race bike. We also chat about Finn's concussion and how he approached his return to riding and racing. This was a super interesting conversation for me with some incredible insight into just how good the top teams are. So without further ado, here's Finn Isles and Kev Jolly. Finn Isles and Kev Jolly, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. Finn, you've been on before. How are you doing? You all right? Yeah, pretty good. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Um, I feel like there's been a couple races in the making now, but... uh finally stoked to to get in here and have a chat good stuff man and uh yeah kev you, we've not we've not had you on the podcast before first time yeah everything good with you everything's fine yeah happy to be to be here racing some new stuff it's gonna be an interesting weekend for sure cool man and um yeah before we kind of get into the thick of the way you guys kind of operate together just give us a little bit of background on yourself man because a lot of people won't necessarily know a huge amount about you like how did you get into bikes how did you end up well, here where you are now yeah, I started at the age of uh, 19, uh, yeah, 18, 19, and now I'm like 36. So it's been like 15 season of World Cup already. So I start with uh, Cedric Gracia at the very beginning. Uh-huh. I follow him um, through Santa Cruz, through Comensal and after Santa Cruz. Yeah. And after, uh, when he got retired, I stopped and I went back to France. 
uh, worked for the National Federation for a few races. And after Laurent took me on the program with Lapierre, that's where I met Finn, like uh -huh. eight years ago, to 2015. And now we're here, still, uh, still happy, still enjoying as much as the first day. So, yeah, happy. Very nice. What do you remember about Finn when you first met him? Wow. Uh, I met him first, uh, was in uh, New Zealand. So I just saw that little guy coming with the big, uh, bike box. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was so cool. Cause, uh, like he was like 14. Mm -hmm. So I was 15, 15. Then yeah, just the kids show up in New Zealand with, uh, with a, a big team. So it was pretty, pretty cool to see him. And he was really into it right away. Trying to, to follow Loris and Loic like first day. Uh, he had a bit of, uh, of a crash, but <laughs> that was no, that was really good to me. I was going to say, these days are a little bit better than the first day because I think the first day, within three runs, I'd broken my brand new helmet and exactly. ruined the kit. And... You smush it, not even broke it, exactly. you just destroy it. So, yeah, that was cool because, yeah, like in New Zealand, it's always a good atmosphere and it's always good to be here. Then, uh, yeah, that was so cool to have him on a kid. He's like a, a kid, super easy to deal with and right away. So, pretty good feeling, pretty solid feeling since the beginning, and he never stopped. Nice. What about you, Finn? What's your first memories of uh, of meeting Kevin, work, starting working together? Um, to be honest, um, it was a little bit funny at the beginning because I flew to New Zealand and I had only met Laurent. And I landed in New Zealand. I got picked up by these random French dudes, and it was uh, Kevin and Jack. And it was also I was also a little bit star starstruck because I was on a team with Laurent Vergier and Loic Bruni, and uh -huh. I was like, "Oh my god, this is the craziest thing in the world!" and um, Honestly, I think I was a bit clueless back then. I was really stoked to be able to be out there and just riding and, and enjoying myself. But it was cool cool to have a mechanic. I think me and my dad had been working together since I was like, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 at races. And to go to New Zealand and be completely looked after and have somebody working on my bike and being able to ride with these guys, it was uh, pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, pretty special opportunity for Absolutely. sure. Yeah. And and I think the last time we had you on the show, Finn, was like 2020, kind of mid-COVID maybe. I think we did it remotely when you were, yeah, totally. you were back at home. I mean, 2020 was just kind of a weird season for everyone involved, so I don't want to touch on that too much. But I'm kind of keen to like get your thoughts on your 2021 season. Yeah. Um, how did you feel going into that season for starters? Because like I say, 2020 was weird, like it affected everyone in different ways. How did you feel coming into 21? Um. I came into 21, I would say feeling a little bit, like I would say nervous more than anything. Yeah. Um, it had been a really long off season. We finished racing in like October and our first race wasn't till June. Uh, so it was yeah. this really weird thing where we had like eight, eight or nine months off. Well, not nine, but eight months off. And coming into the season, we're still, I was still a little bit uncertain about things, but I, I felt good on my bike and... The season started off pretty good. I was 14th in Leo Gang and then after that I had the rain race in Leger, which uh -huh. was a little bit frustrating because I felt like that track really suited me. And then uh, after that, everything started to click and I started to get faster and I started to ride better. And I think that that sort of came with my training getting better as well as my process with Kevin getting better. Uh -huh. um, the way that we worked last year really evolved and took the next step. And I felt like at the end of last year, I was in my groove with Kevin as well as within my riding. So it was like, I didn't really have to think of anything. I was like, I'm feeling good. And I think the last four races, I mean, I raced with a broken hand uh, from Maribor onwards. Um, and I was 10th at Worlds. I was 10th in Lenzerheide. And then I was fourth. And then I had a crash. But from from those races, I think I've gained a lot of confidence and experience. And like, just I think last year was a good transition year for me because this year I feel like I've sort of come to my own and I feel a lot more comfortable on the circuit and a lot more comfortable with my riding. So last year was a good learning year, but also a year to show myself that I'm totally capable of achieving uh -huh. the things that I want to achieve, especially at the end of the year in snowshoe with the fastest qualifier, second fastest qualifier and a podium. So yeah, it was awesome to see man and cool to share the podium with Mark. Yeah, that was really cool. I think that's the first time there's ever been two Canadians on an elite podium. So yeah. it was like, I was so surreal. I, <laughs> I got, I got to the finish line. And I looked, I was like, Oh my God, Mark Wallace is fifth. I can't believe this. And the first thing I did was give him a big hug. It was a pretty special moment. That was for yeah, sure. Yeah, nice. And cool to see Jackson on the podium as well in the yeah. junior men's there. So Canadian, there's some strength coming, right? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of fast young riders. I mean, Jackson's just the first of, of many. And you can see how talented that kid is. And I think over the next few years, he's absolutely going to be someone to uh, 
someone to watch for in the elite ranks. I mean, he already is there, but um, I think over the next few years, you're going to see a lot of Canadian riders coming up, whether it's boys, girls. Um, there's a lot of talent. Yeah, good to see, man. And so, yeah, you finished the season on a high, and uh, I think the after party was pretty rowdy as well, right? Snowshoe went off. Crazy. Snowshoe was <laughs> insane. There was dirt bikes. There was uh, burnouts. There was police. There was uh, me running away as fast as I can. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't too involved, but uh, anytime... Anytime I'm drunk and there's cops, I just leg it. So. Yeah, it's not a good, not a good situation. But yeah, basically the right. That's the, how an after party should be, right? Yeah, that's, exactly. Uh, it was a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that was good. cool. So you, really, came, you came out of the season in a good, in a good spot then, really. Yeah, absolutely, mentally yeah. and and uh, I mean, obviously with the broken hand, it was a little bit tough, but um, I felt like mentally that was a huge step forward. For yeah, me. for sure. Did you did you take on a new mental coach coming out of that season into this season? Is that right? Or was that someone you've been working with for a while? It's somebody I've been working with for a while. Okay. So I started with them two years ago. And then since then, we've been working on some small things. Perfect. And, uh, so I think that's what we, we talked a bit about that last time we got yeah, together absolutely. about your visualizations totally. and various things that you were looking at. Yeah, I was definitely in a really tough place mentally. And I feel like over the last few years, I've really evolved. Um, I'm not a person that relies a lot on a mental coach i find that i actually like to figure a lot of things out by myself and i feel like if i ever get stuck it's really good to have a person to talk to and sort uh -huh. of work on things but i feel like for who i am I, I i find i put a lot of emphasis on trying to be an individual and okay. like figuring it out on my own even though that may take longer than it should but i think that that's part of the journey and that's part of you know, figuring out exactly who you are and figuring out who you are as a racer and trying to make it, you know, the make yourself the best that you can be. Yeah, yeah. sounds good. And there's there seems to be a, an an ongoing trend of riders doing more and more and more kind of testing away from races. It seems to be an area that's grown massively. Am I right in thinking that you guys have spent rather a lot of time together this off season coming into 2022? Yeah, I'd say this year is the most time we've spent together. Yeah, I think we spent a lot. Uh, but the good thing is that we're, with testing, we can. For, for me, racing is just formality of what we've been doing during winter and testing. Uh -huh. So you're not introducing anything, and you're not uh, trying new thing on a on a World Cup weekend. This weekend we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this weekend <laughs> we are. But, but we've been testing quite a lot, quite a lot then um yeah of course i mean the ride is getting tighter every year yeah the rider are faster the bike are better than uh, every brand now have a kind of a bike ready to win a race then um so it's a lot of uh, time for the rider on the gym on the, the training and it's also a lot of uh, time uh, for us to to test and try different stuff and make sure we have the correct setup for the rider to to can fit any situation during the weekend so so yeah, that's why we spend a couple of hours and hours of testing <laughs> and a couple of weeks. Yeah, a couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah. Did you spend a lot of time in Europe though, Finn? Haven't you this off season? Have you been living at Kevs? Uh, yeah, just close by to Kevin's. Yeah. Um, this season, I've I've made more of a commitment to actually spending time in Europe. I found that in the past, I'd fly home, I'd come back, I'd fly home, I'd come back, and with COVID, it was really hard to actually stay over here. Uh huh. So this year, I was like, I'm tired of flying home. It it's hard on my body. It's hard on my brain. And I think that this year is, is one of those years where I need to start, sort of take a step forward. And I mean, both of us need to. So this winter, I came over in February and I stayed at near Kevin's house for about a month. We did some testing. And I mean, Kevin living in France and me living in Canada, Canada is a little bit difficult because uh -huh. he has a family. And, you know, in Canada in the winter, you can hardly even ride downhill. So I came over in January for two weeks. I came uh, for almost all of March leading into Lords, and then I would have come over in May. We would have done some testing, but I had a concussion. Mm -hmm. But since Leo Gang, we've spent, what, three three full weeks almost together, and yeah. we've been testing on the new bike and trying to figure things out for, for this second half of the season. Yeah. Sweet. And I guess a big part of things these days, and, and I think, you know, Specialized Gravity were kind of at the forefront of this, is having a data bike. Totally. And for the first couple of seasons, maybe it was only Loic that had one, and then more recently the last couple of seasons you've had one as well tell us a bit about that bike kev it's uh it's pretty heavily kitted up right yeah yeah and uh yeah it's also something we add in our process but on the right timing i thought for like data is a lot of information so you have to deal with it and uh there's no like magic button we press and you give you the best setup because <laughs> it's not uh, how it is so um I use it a bit before, and um, I think that uh, yeah, a few years ago was a correct timing for me and Finn to jump on the this program. Mm -hmm. 
uh, it just give us confirmation about what we've been doing and uh, uh, like since junior Finn increased a lot the um, the feeling on this bike now is really precise and of what you need and what you feel about the bike it's pretty crazy to to see how precise he is and especially when uh, you have the data to compare his feeling it's always like true and uh, so for me it's super helpful to work better to go deeper on uh, on the settings and uh, to try to make the bike as close as he's want to and then uh, but yeah it's still um, an off-road sport that from the last training to the final it's uh, maybe 100 people go on track then uh, it's hard to have the magic setup but yeah. it's just with the, all the testing we do before it's it's we are pretty close to have a, a really solid setup for and I exactly know what he need I know how he is like since the morning when I saw him I like okay maybe today we're gonna take it easy at the beginning and after just trying to it's that it's a um, a part of the ingredient for the success story mm -hmm. but there is a lot of stuff going on like uh, on the mindset like working trying to get him as much as confident as he have as he want to and be like uh, yeah the guy just on a target the guy just going for it ready to rumble and yeah. uh, it's a long process but yeah data is part of it it's uh, sometimes we don't use it because we just stick on our feelings and uh, and what we developed during winter uh -huh. then in Lourdes we didn't even use it and we get second Leo gang the same yeah oh, interesting so yeah I think at the beginning, I, I would see Loic using it. And I was like, oh, I don't want to use the data. Why don't I have some data? <laughs> and to be honest, you could put data on my bike and I'd be like, I don't really know what's going on. So I think waiting the years and sort of learning how to feel the bike properly um, is really important when it comes to data stuff. Yeah. And having Kevin with me, like he basically created the process for me to be introduced to the data. And I think that without... Kevin's expertise, we would just, I'd just be lost kind of thing. So uh -huh. his guidance was really important when I was, when I was younger and like sort of growing into the data. And then over the last few years, I've gotten a lot more intelligent and a lot more, uh, what's the word? Like he said, precise with my bike. Yeah. And now I feel like we can introduce it or we can choose not to. And, and we sort of have that choice because we know that the things that we've worked on and the feelings that I am feeling are precise enough that sometimes we just don't even need to use it. Yeah. Um, and we've had this, this bike we've been riding for four years. So I feel like there's no secrets left to unlock, mm -hmm. but with this new bike, I mean, there's some time to be spent on data to confirm what we're feeling, but it's yeah. not the end all be all. I feel like there's a lot more emphasis and importance on what Kevin thinks yeah. and how I feel. So maybe like the data has been useful for you to help you understand the bike, correlate your feelings to exactly. different setting changes. But then you've, you've sort of built that model in your head. Yeah. You're able to work through it without mm -hmm. necessarily needing the data. And you can, you can really find some surprising things like, sometimes well, Kevin will be like, want to try this setup? And I'll be like, like, I guess, like, I feel like what we have is already right. And he's like, well, let's just try a different direction. I'll be like, that felt like shit. Or sorry, that <laughs> felt horrible. And um, uh, Kevin will plug in the data and we'll read it. And he'll be like, well, you were two seconds faster. And I'll be like, okay, I guess I don't know anything. You know, it's like one of those things where sometimes the data can, can produce some surprises. Yeah. But for the most part, um, what I'm feeling is more, more important because I'm the one that really has to ride the bike sure the yeah i was going to say and that so in an instance like that where the data says you're two seconds quicker but it didn't feel good to you what would you do would you go with what felt better because you need that confidence like well, we did a mishmash of a bit everything we uh -huh. first of all we understand why the feeling was bad okay and uh and why the bike was faster okay so um, and after i'm um, thinking about like a, a an in-between setup or something maybe it was just a matter of uh, increasing the speed a little bit more and the bike can handle it more. And it, it's also um, on those moments, it gives me the um, kind of an idea about the final setup. Mm -hmm. So I, I know that for final, you're going to go faster, but I just want through data, make sure that I'm still on the correct windows to like the bike can handle it. Yeah. So, yeah, some, some, as you say, sometimes it's, it's really surprising, but. Um, I try to do a combo between I want him to feel good on his bike, to feel home on his bike, because he's the one who finished the job. But I can add some little details and I know how hard he can push for final. Uh -huh. So that's for me, the. it's always super helpful for me to to get that little extra for, for finals. Interesting stuff. And I'm guessing adding all that data onto the bike does a few things to it. First off, it's going to make it quite a lot more expensive. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a bit, uh, especially when you crash with the data. <laughs> I was going to say, is there a pressure not to crash the data? No, no, no. I mean, a little bit, but not really. It's no. like, it is, it's part of the process and uh -huh. it is what yeah. it is. Especially, especially now that we're developing, working on developing bikes and yeah. stuff like that. It is what it is. You have to put everything through its paces. And if I crash, I crash and we'll figure it out later. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. And it's, it also makes the bike a bit heavier, right? Kilo? Yeah, yeah, like uh, one kilo, three underground. Yeah. Is that noticeable in the way the bike feels or? Not really. No. no because the weight's on the bike. Um, I mean, a little bit, but it's not like, oh my God, what's going on? I'm riding on a tank now. It just feels like, you know, yeah. there's a little bit, a little bit of something on there. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And you, you've had quite a bit of adjustability built into the bike over recent seasons, right? You've been playing with eccentric bottom brackets, like reach adjust mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah, we we had the uh, yeah eccentric BB. We had um, adjustable head cup too. We can change the reach. We can change the um, the angle. Uh, we had uh, some different links uh, with different progressivity also. And uh, yeah, we've been uh, adding some custom stuff uh, since we ride the the, the previous bike. And um, yeah, that, I think uh, we found some really interesting stuff. Which are completely different than Loic's uh, bike. Okay. The Christopher's bike too. Yeah. The way they ride, it's so so different. Uh -huh. That's why we uh, were also. I won't say we never shared uh, seatings, but like we don't even ask each other about seatings and stuff because they are they are such like different style of riding and yeah and uh, but yeah it's um it's uh, it's always a. Uh, I would say uh, a new a new day. Every race is a new day. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And with all these variables, right, you've got so many different things. They all interact together into the picture. Yeah. It's very easy to get kind of lost, right? Like how do you how do you structure a test session, Kev, to make sure that you and Finn come out of that A with like data that you can kind of or data, feelings, timing, all that stuff that you uh, can believe. I have the easy job. All I got to do is write it and tell Kevin how I feel and write it down in a book. And then Kevin has to sift through data and go, what yeah. the hell's going on here? That's you the know? thing is like when you have data, when you have everything adjustable, it's just either than having like 10 options, you have like fucking 100 and, uh, like options. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, this is how we test a lot to have all the options uh, ready. And we know which direction we go. And even if it's bad feeling, that's why I always want to understand why and why and why and why. It's a lot of thinking, a lot of uh, of time uh, behind the computer and behind my notes just to make sure my, my process and I'm not getting lost. Because during a race weekend, every every stuff goes so quick. You have to be fast. You have to be efficient. Uh, I ask uh, Finn a lot of stuff. And uh, what like you go through and you already bam final day and you're like okay so <laughs> the, every night I just step back and be like okay what I did today was this this and then I start to remake a new a new thing every day just to make sure I'm following uh, what I want to what I what Finn needs and uh, yeah but it's, uh, after the weekend it's pretty tiring <laughs> it's it's uh yeah. Your job's debatably harder than mine. So. <laughs> well, I won't, I won't try my bike 80 per hour. I also think that Kevin knows me well enough that it's like yeah. a lot of times, like he said, I can come into the pit on race morning and be like, well, today we're not going to win the race, but he uh, can adjust the settings to sort of how I am mentally. Okay. I, I don't really know this. Like, I don't know when I come into the pits and not seem the same, but yeah. uh, it, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, we've worked eight years together or seven years this year, so. Yeah, it's, but that's also why me, read me quite well. Yeah, that's also why it's cool to hang out a part of biking. Just having him on the on my house and doing other stuff than uh, than biking is really cool because through this you can see the the personality and yeah, yeah. the way he's reacting to some stuff. And I'm I think uh, my job is um, for for our take my job is more like a, it's more than a mechanic. So you, you have to. To always care about uh, his mindset, the way he is, make him, him happy. I talk hard to him when he need to get uh, uh, to have uh, the the direction back. And uh, but every time we talk, it's uh, it's for something, and uh, we learn every time we talk. Every time we we have problems, it's 
it's it's bad uh, to leave some problems, but it's also super interesting as an experience to to be okay. Next time we're gonna approach the thing differently. If he's not happy, he's explain me why he's not happy, and we. I mean, we are two different humans, and uh, so sometimes uh, this is how it's, it, it should be. Like, we cannot sing the same all the time, yeah, but yeah. we share our, our uh, feelings, and after we find a way to go through, and uh, it seems to work well. Yeah, it seems to work well. Yeah, it's cool that that relationship has built and developed, and like you've just improved the way you work together every season, because it's, again, that's pretty clear in results, I guess. Like, yeah, it's shows. true. Yeah, it's really true. And I feel like, just the more time, the more we understand each other, the better things will be. Yeah. Especially with the, uh, especially moving forward, maybe having more races and having a new bike and all these things. It's like things are going to get harder for both of us. Yeah. Whether it's figuring out settings, doing more racing, being tired. And there's a lot of things that need to be taken into account. And I think that us understanding each other is super beneficial for that because we can sort of feed off each other and, and, have the best possible outcome for every single race yeah or have the opportunity to have the best possible outcome for yeah put yourself in a good position every time exactly and that's 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 the most important thing is like sometimes it's bike racing you know sometimes you crash sometimes you get unlucky and like sometimes it rains but as long as we our process is the moving in the correct direction there's no reason that we shouldn't succeed at some point so yeah Mm. makes total sense that's also why covid year was uh that was maybe the only positive point is like we that learn us how to be flexible at any situation because yeah. normally from February we know where we are all the way to October and now we had to to change uh, last minute some readjust some stuff uh, readjust the process so he learn us how to be flexible and it can happen anytime during racing you can have a crash the rain show up so it's it was also a a good time for practicing the flexibility of the yeah. the program. Good stuff. It's nice to see good things coming out of uh, what was a pretty shocking year. Yeah. Um, I'm interested, Finn, when you're away from races and you're doing testing and you're trying to like look at a change and see whether it's positive or negative for you, how do you approach the actual riding? Like, are you trying to ride at race pace? Are you trying to ride at a safe, consistent pace? Like, how do you how do you do that so that a the data is kind of reliable? Yeah. B that you're getting you have the mental capacity i guess to process what's going on all that jazz so this is this is actually one of the most difficult parts of testing and i think this is one of the things that like i said earlier i needed to sort of grow into and that's being mentally and physically fit enough to handle the testing blocks because When you have the data on your bike, as soon as you go below a certain speed, the data shuts off and then it splits the run. And then that's really frustrating for him to look at. I mean, it's still beneficial, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. So you have to be able to ride at a certain pace that the bike works and the settings that you're trying are getting progressively, well, not progressively harder, but trying to find the most optimal setup, you still have to ride fast. So for me, it sets up like a race, like the first day of practice at a World Cup kind of thing. Okay. So you have to do a warm-up. You have to sort of get yourself mentally in check. And then depending on the day, like sometimes we'll do 10, what, 8 to 12 mm. runs normally of, of testing. And they're all full runs. And they're all between, I'd say, like 85 and 95%. I mean, minus one or two at the beginning to really yeah, get you yeah. into it. 85 to 95% of uh, intensity. And that's just trying to be as consistent as possible so that the only thing that changes is the bike and the only thing that would change is the speed of the bike. So it's like I can't put any any ex- like any extra effort in yeah. because I need to rely solely on the bike to make me faster. Okay. So it's this really interesting thing where it's like you could be coached in a certain direction. Kevin could be like, this is the setup and I'll be like, yes. And I go and I'll like push harder than I should. And he'll be like, that setup shouldn't have been faster, but somehow you're the same speed. So it's like this thing where it's like I need to make sure that I know exactly what I'm doing yeah. and I need to be exactly prepared to ride the exact same thing, the exact same way. No line changes. If I have a shitty line, I'm stuck with it kind of thing. Okay. You know, yeah. there's no like improvements besides the bike itself, which can be frustrating, but, and really tiring, honestly, like earlier this month we did, I did two Schladming days and I did 10 full runs back to back on Schladming. And that's like, it was brutal. My hands had <laughs> blisters and stuff, but it's like, it's just part of it where you, you have to put in the hours to get what you want out of it. And I think that those days are the most beneficial because 
we come to a race and we know exactly what we have to do. Yeah. It must be quite hard though, because as a racer, your program to always be looking to try and go faster, right? Exactly. And all of a sudden you've got to change that and look to ride exactly the same every run. Yeah. But it, it is fast. So it's like the first three runs, it's like, okay, hey, gotta learn the course. And then like after that, it's it's full on. And then the second day, normally we'll do like two to three day blocks. We'll do yeah. three day blocks and like depending on where we are. And like that second day is the most frustrating because it's like the first day you can ride the same consistently and the second day you come back and you're like, I know exactly where I'm going. I know the track perfectly. And it's like, I want to go faster. I need to go faster. And, and you have to allow yourself to be like, you have to calm yourself down to be like, I have to ride a certain <laughs> way just for the sake of what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. How do you guys go about deciding where you're going to test and what tracks you're going to use? Well, depends from what we're looking for. And uh, the cool thing is um, that what was benefit this year to stay in Europe, we have a lot of different trails everywhere. So steep, rough, uh, super fast, flat corner of camber. We have pretty much everything. Then, uh, yeah, depend what we want to test on. And um, most of the time we test on some part that can be a little bit like some World Cups. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I know what I... I know what I need um, as a information from the bike and from Finn. And that's why it's also super interesting to work with Finn because he's always pumped to go anywhere and like super on it uh, in the in the process. He's always uh, learning on the same time. And uh, it's super interesting when, once you get that feeling of everybody is uh, having interest and you know what you what why you are doing those stuff and uh, and what it will give you during World Cup, it's it's uh, always give extra motivation to do it. Because as he say, it's super like when I ask him to do 15 runs on Schladming or Verbier, it's like for him, it's super hard. For me, it blow my mind too. Then uh, we have to be like, we have to find <laughs> that extra motivation to go through that that thing. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, it's uh, it's always um, always. Um, testing for interest of, of something we yeah. need to i need to know how the bike is reacting on off camber super fast off camber or like super steep i want uh, to know which range of uh, spring rate should i use then uh, we go on a steep track and uh, we test and we test we get data and uh, and we understand the situation of everything yeah yeah but yeah it's more of like trying to collect as much information about any kind of like ground or rock garden or dirt loamy. I think variety is really important as well. Okay. Um, so it's we could ride 10 different tracks and see the exact same thing we want to see from the data. Let's just say we're working with data. We could go to 10 different places and Kevin could find the exact same suspension curve. At, not curve, suspension oh, yeah. curve. Yeah, yeah, use of the suspension at yeah. every single track, almost exactly the same. Because once we figure the bike out, we know exactly the way, exactly the zone that I can ride fast in. Yeah. Um, but even for me, like riding in the same place over and over and over again can get pretty frustrating and boring. Um, so last week we weren't really sure we were going to go testing and I like heard of a few different places and I watched GoPros on just like of people riding at uh -huh. these bike parks and we can make a decision and be like, okay, well this bike park looks good. This GoPro looks sick. Why don't we head there? And like, Two tracks we tested on last week were insane. Like we went to Verbier and we went to a bike park called Le Quiro. And like both places offer different things, but we got a lot of information from both places. So it, it doesn't, you could have a garbage track, but if it has the right ingredients to yeah. provide a good testing spot, then it doesn't matter. You know, okay. it's, it's one of those things where we went and found a, a random track in the middle of Switzerland in the winter with a like a really sketchy old cable car and it was one of the best tracks we've tested on in the last couple of years and it's it's crazy just like the little spots they just could have one trail but as long as it's the right thing for what we need then we can get exactly what we want from this place happy days which is pretty cool and kevin's able to provide so many different options for setups that we're able to test if one sort of suspension, one avenue of things we want to test doesn't work, we can just take a different avenue and, and yeah. we'll get what we want from that. Interesting. And you, I mean, you're pretty well looked after when you're at the races. You've got this huge truck that we're sat in right now. Lovely lounge area, very comfortable. Yeah. Loads of support, people making you food, all of that jazz. 
I'm guessing it's not quite the same when you're out testing. What's the setup like? Like, how what do you work out of when you're away? Because there's, there's a lot of pressure to get yeah. through a lot of work. It's the de- it's de- the same but different. It depends where we're testing, yeah. actually. Okay, but around Kevin's house, we have a pretty good setup. Um, he has a van. He's got all of the tools and stuff inside. Bike stand. We just grab food wherever, and we can make it work basically anywhere. I mean, it's not to the level that this is, but uh-huh. I feel like this is just really good comfortability for a race. And it, it's, it's more for, I think it's, it's for the show as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but for testing, all I need is Kevin in a toolbox and a good track. <laughs> yeah. <It's> good to go. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it's good because from where Kevin lives, it's a two hour, three hour drive to basically any good track in Europe. We can go to Verbier. We can go to Piron bike park. We can go to Pila, Morzine, uh, Les Des Alpes. I don't know any other yeah. good bike parks, but they're all close. Even here's only four hours. So it's yeah. like, uh, everything's available, especially that's, and that's part of the reason I've spent so much time over here is like, we need the van, a toolbox. Kevin needs to be there. I need to be there in the bike and yeah. we can go wherever that's we good. want and get what we want. Very nice. And you mentioned that you guys will have very different riding styles within the team. And to some extent that dictates how valuable other people's data is, but is there is there stuff that gets shared, especially when you're kind of like you say, trying to get everyone up to speed on a new bike or a particular new piece of kit? Like, what? How far will you go with sharing stuff? Because obviously the competition between you all is real as well, right? <laughs> I feel like that's a question for Kevin. Yeah, uh, uh, the thing is that right riders are are different, and my job is to find the best thing for Finn mm-hmm. and. I'm pretty sure it won't work for anybody else because he's super specific on settings and the way he rides his bike. Then I don't really look after sharing information if, even from the other guys because everybody is different. I'm so focused on what I'm doing. That's mm-hmm. my, my job is to make Finn f- the fastest guy on, on the bike. Then uh, I won't say I'm not uh, curious about uh, what the other are doing, but... I'm just really focused on my pro- process yeah. and uh, keep an open eyes on few different stuff. And I'm, like for example, I still ha- I already have my next year program al- almost done in terms of like everything I want to try, everything I want to go through. How I gonna involve Finn on it? So um, so um, inform. I think when you ask too much stuff to the other, it's maybe because you're a bit lost. Okay, I don't know, but. As long as you trust your own process and you know what you need, but like you work a lot to know what you need uh, yeah. for your rider, I think that's the most important too. That's why I'm not hanging out too much on the the other guy's pit, because it's not because I don't want to see anything. It's just like I think everybody get like deal with their own problems and all all kind of stuff. But yeah, if people ask me some stuff, I could share. But of course, it's an individual sport, and I. I'm just the only thing I care on the circuit is is Finn, and then uh, yeah, I, yeah, that's what I do. Fair play. <laughs> I think it's kind of similar to to me being on the track and being like, "Ooh, I wonder what Loeg's doing. I wonder what Amari's <laughs> doing. I wonder what Troy's doing." You know, it's like if I'm worried about what other people are doing, it's probably detrimental to my own process. Yeah. So I just need to focus on what I'm doing because I know that whatever I'm doing is probably gonna get me where I need to be and keep me in the right mindset. And I'm sure it's the same with with uh, Kevin yeah. and bike setup and stuff like this. Yes. Yeah. And from what you said earlier, like it sounds like you used to look to riders like Loic for kind of direction or whatever, but it feels like you, you don't feel like that anymore. You're much more confident in where you're at. Absolutely. And I feel like that just comes with experience. It's hard to have that sort of that feeling coming out of juniors coming into your first year lead, especially because it's such a sharp learning curve. You're like, I'm winning every race in junior. This is sweet. And you come into men's and you're like, huh, I'm 15th. Oh, I'm 20th. Oh, I've crashed. I've crashed again. You know, it's like these things where it's like you're constantly looking for something to like quickly get you to where you want to be, which is first place. Yeah. But it takes time. And I think that these are things you learn over the years and things you can just learn by watching the best riders in the world. And um, eventually the only person that can get you to the top is yourself and obviously Kevin here. So for me, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a bigger team than, than us two, Mm -hmm. but for finals, what it comes down to is, is me and him. So yeah, it's an, it's an interesting sport like that. I mean, it's more than that. And there's so much leading up to it, but on finals day, it's like Kevin and I, and, and, uh, 
Let's go. We give her shit. Yeah, for sure. But of course, it's it's super helpful to have a, a team like we have because it's it's really like a a big family. Like it's we we spend a lot of time together. We have a lot of fun all together, and uh, and uh, obviously having guys like Loic and Jack with a lot of knowledge, a Absolutely. lot of uh, super good uh, results. It's always um, good to have those kind of people around because they are. You can see la, how they feel and the way they react is also inspiring a lot. Then, uh, then it's uh, and you can inspire the the young generation also. So, I I rather want to have them on my team than uh, on somebody else's team for sure. Yeah. we have a solid group, and I think through the season, uh, by the end, it's a it's a group effort a lot, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, I, 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 uh, what did I say? I undersold the rest of the team there. It's, it's super important, I, you know, no, no, just for the sake of, I guess, yeah. over-exaggeration. It's, no, it's also fair. another ingredient yeah. of the, yeah. the magic recipe. Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing works without, you know, if you take one person out of the team, yeah, it doesn't work the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But when it comes to the race run, it's you it's and it's and your, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that makes, that makes total sense. I want to briefly touch on Kushko because you guys use it. And it, I mean, it's as a result of those guys that we're sitting having the chat today. Yeah. What, how, how do you go about using it? Are you using it front and rear? Like what, what drove that decision for you guys? And did you do some testing around it? It, uh, it yeah. changes track to track, doesn't it? Front, yeah, it, front wheel. Yeah, exactly. Depending on the track, um, we like every, every time we ride it on the back. Yeah. Since the first day we got them. I'm uh I'm pretty heavy. I'm pretty strong, so uh -huh. I put a lot of force through the tire, yeah. in corners, over rocks, over everything, and it's definitely saved. How many race runs for me? Uh, a couples, <laughs> couples of race runs. But it's, yeah, the the um, it just saves us a lot of wheels actually. Yeah, and um, the benefit of having a stiff um, a stiff. Uh, uh, carcass no yeah, sidewall yeah this like give us more um, uh, strength on the sidewall of the tire yeah. we have more support on the tire and for how much fin push on the corners it's for, for us was a real benefit and he avoid us puncture a lot and uh, broken rims and yeah. uh, and uh, for William and uh, and also um, yeah I would say Santan we use it in the front too. Uh -huh. Depend, like depend. Those tracks are, and maybe snowshoe. No, last year. Uh, last year, yeah, we did snowshoe actually. So yes. The tracks that are like very rocky and fast, because yeah. you put even you put that kind of pressure through the front wheel as well. Yeah. So you need the same. You need the same kind of uh, support. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess they're kind of unique in like a lot. There are other inserts clearly, but they don't have that contact with the sidewall. Like, no. Yeah. Like you need that of. shape. Yeah, yeah, I think that's on to for me. I've been doing some insert by myself before, just trying to understand okay. everything. Yeah, and uh, when I saw that Koshka, I'm like, okay, those guys get the perfect uh, combo because you have, I mean, for my opinion and for what Finns need, that was the thing. Like, we need we need that pro that uh, product. And um, just so everybody knows, Kevin can install a Kush core faster than any other person <laughs> on the face of the planet. Okay. I absolutely man. guarantee you. Kevin had a, he had one side of the tire off and he got the Kush core into the tire and the tire on in less than 40 seconds. No way. That is impressive. It's dude. the most impressive. I was like, he's like, I can do it less than a minute. I said, there's no, <laughs> there's no, there's no chance. And I have a video of it. It's insane. What's the, have you got a little, it's gotta be world champion. Can you share any techniques here? I uh, just uh, muscles. I think hey, it's the muscle. Big arms, man. He's been turning bolts for 15 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Turning bolts. Or, no, yeah, just uh, oh, you have to get your process dialed. <laughs> yeah, there's an art to it. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. I didn't I, when I first got some. I didn't watch the video that showed how to do it, and I spent a long time in the garden swearing trying to get them on. But then when I watched the video, and it's actually pretty easy. Yeah, I actually, still, I think I didn't watch any videos. I still can't do it. But the first no? time I, I set one up was pretty pretty funny. Just tire lever, just now. Now, now you can fit it without tire levers. Yeah, he can do it without the tire levers too, which is I think goddamn couple impressive. Couple mechanic can do it. Yeah, that is impressive. Yeah, good yeah. stuff. <laughs> what what uh, what kind of stuff on the bike is Finn particularly fussy about, Kev? Like, what will you get a hard time over? <laughs> wow, uh, that's a good question. The the world bike, I would say. <laughs> no, the wow. I'd uh, say the cockpit is really important. Yeah, cockpit is really important. If I uh, like if. The lever is a millimeter further than it's supposed to be. You felt it right. Like you jump on the bike, it's like, oh, my saddle is like too slow, too low or too high. And my lever is a one degree and it's always correct. So yeah. 
it's uh, but that's normal when you jump on your bike you have to feel home but yeah like the position on his bike is really important for him yeah the brake are really important for him and uh and after deeper you go to a race the like the way we adjust the suspension is is the the key point to make uh, him and the bike faster then uh, i will say at this high level of the sport uh everything is uh is important yeah yeah I'm, i think I've, i think i've become a pretty fussy guy um, <laughs> i don't i don't think i was like that in the beginning but now it's like like you said it, with the levers with the grips with the shifter with the seat angle and then once i'm on the bike like the front end feel the the shock feel it's like kev something's wrong what's going on here like this is out of whack and even like even the bars being rolled back one or... millimeter rolled forward or back yeah. you're i it's well you spend so much time dialing in everything perfectly you're gonna notice it right and yeah it's yeah. exactly yeah. what you we were talking that, about earlier when exactly. it's like i've spent so much time with kevin this year it, i've spent so much time on my bike this year yeah so everything is exactly the way i want it to be and it's like your own body it's an extension of your body if you feel something wrong you if something's different you know it yeah and mm. it's yeah, that's also why I introduce new stuff step by step and not everything on a and this is how I build him uh since junior yeah just giving him information but on the correct timing that yeah, yeah. I uh I expected him to react and to understand and once we get it dialed we go again and again and again and again and and here we are eight years after and yeah. he's a pretty solid uh, guy pretty to work good. with yeah and I want to talk a bit about this season I heard you say I think ahead of Lords that you felt very ready for this season, Finn. Like what what's different? What what was giving you that feeling coming in? Um, I think just my my state of mind is really important, I find. Uh -huh. So being able to do the things that I want to do, as well as being really consistent with my training and spending time on my bike is, is really important. So right from the beginning of this off season, um, my training took another step forward. I I added like basically I would say I took a step forward with my training uh, with the coaches that I've been working with for the mm -hmm. last couple of years. And I came in, came into this season fitter, stronger than I have been in the past. And then mentally, I think this off season, I did a lot of good things for my mental health. Like uh, whether it was taking time off the bike, spending time with my friends, spending time on different, doing different sports, skiing, snowmobiling, mm -hmm. dirt bikes, you name it. And then spending time on my bike to the point that I felt that I was really comfortable with what I was doing. So that it wasn't even a thought about if I was faster, I wonder how I'm going to stack up. It was just Kevin and I have done the work on the bike. I've done the things at home that I want to do so that I'm in a good place mentally that I can just come into the season and, and be ready for anything that comes at me. Yeah. And I think that that's also part of the, the things that I've learned over the past few years about myself is like, I need to do other things to be happy on my bike. And I need to spend a lot of time on my bike to be happy doing things on my bike. So yeah. it's like this weird give and take. And it's, um, it's all about just finding that happy medium that gets me in the right state of mind for racing. And I think that doing more races and doing more riding just puts me in a better position to be faster. Yeah. And that showed at Laws, man, you were like on it from the get go. Yeah. You totally. must, you, you, the feeling was good, right? You could see in your riding from any bit of footage I saw, even from day one, yeah. that you were on it. Yeah. I felt, I felt really good. I, I love that track in junior. I won both years. And to be honest, it really reminds me of some of the stuff we ride at home. It's fast. It's rough. There's lots of compressions. It's technical and it, it really suits I think the Canadian rider, and you can see that because there was in the past, Stevie was second there. Mark was second there. I was second there this year, one in junior Jackson, one in junior Gracie Hemstreet, one in junior. You can just look yeah, down yeah. the line and see how many Canadians have done well there. And I think yeah. that that track was such a good track for me. And I think, um, starting the year off like that, just put so much confidence in me and still so much confidence in me that like the rest of the year, I'm like, I'm fast at every track for the rest of the year. I know what I'm capable of now. And even if I'm a little bit off, like I felt like I wasn't Leo gang, I'm able to go sixth place. Yeah. So I think this year is, is what I've been looking for over the past little while. And then it's just one little click and hopefully I can get to the top step. But yeah. for me, it's just about focusing on the riding and, and doing what I know how to do best. And I think that the last little while, Kevin and I have been working on the bike and I've been working on my riding and, 
think we're in a good place for the next <laughs> how many weeks of racing? <laughs> I, yeah, to the end of the season, I think there's only yeah. two weeks off. So it's yeah, it's full on hectic, all the way to the yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, um, I want to talk a little bit about the concussion that you've been through because it's a topic that's coming up more and more and we're seeing more kind of high profile instances of that taking place. Just talk us through it a little bit from your perspective. Like what happened in the first place? Were you, you back at home? Yeah. Um, really odd crash. I'd been doing some training and some testing. I just sort of doing some final preparations before heading to Europe for mm-hmm. Fort William, uh, heading to Europe for this huge block. And I'd done all my practice runs. I'd done everything that I wanted to do that day. And then I was following my buddy Magnus. And there's this one section of trail where there's a triple. It's like you can either do a quick drop and then a double into a turn or just like drop, drop, drop. And I was tripling it all all day. And I was like, this is the sickest line, whatever. (laughs) And in the past, I'd actually broken a crank on that exact. I'd snapped a crank on that exact feature. Uh And I was like, holy, if I went down there, that would be a big issue. And I've I've had, it was super weird. It was like I'd I'd had nightmares about crashing there. It's the fastest section on this track. I came into the section, I was probably going 40, 45 kilometers an hour. And my buddy Magnus was in front and he didn't do the triple, but I thought I'd given him enough space that I could pull for it. And I totally had, but I just wasn't going fast enough. Okay. And I cased it. I blew my hand off, jackknifed the bars, and then I couldn't tell you what I hit, but I ragdolled and I like opened my eyes and I was uh, 100 feet off the track. Whoa. And there was just like sort of like a trail of carnage to where I stopped and like I got like I lied there and I was like, I laid there. I was like, I know my name. I know where I am. I know who I'm with. I know the time. Yeah. And I was good for about five minutes. And then I forgot everything. And I Weird. didn't know what I did the day before. And I was confused. And they were like, yeah, this is not good. And then everything came back to me. So there was like a weird like five minute period where yeah. I was like completely lost and out of it and doing the thing where it's like, where are we? Yeah. Or where's my dad? Or like, where's on, my mom? On you repeat, know, on repeat like, kind yeah. of thing. And both my shoulders were like, I couldn't get my arms past my shoulders. My uh-huh. hip had a big hematoma. My ankle, like it was one of the, pri- I would classify it as like one of the worst crashes I've ever had. Yeah. And I've had some bad ones. Um, and then after that, I went and saw my physio, who's my strength coach as well, um, at home. And he knows me really well. And he basically did a scat test with me. He's like, yeah, this is a concussion. We got to take some time off, basically doing nothing, spending time doing nothing. And I did for about a week and a half and then, or almost two weeks, I was two weeks. And then Fort William was coming up and there was a Red Bull camp in Wales. And I was like, I got to go to Europe anyways. So why don't we fly now? I take a week of rest. I go to Wales. I speak with the Red Bull physio, see where I'm at. And I flew over there and I started feeling quite good. And then... I don't know what it was. I thought it was just jet lag, but I think it was still symptoms. I think I traveled too early. I wasn't sure. And we flew to Wales and everything sort of got wonky. I was got in a car and I felt dizzy. I uh-huh. felt sick. I could like not even pedal on the bike for like 20 minutes. Wow. It just took a huge dive. Um, and like the for me, the nausea and the ability to not be able to concentrate was, yeah. was the worst. Um, it was really frustrating. And then I flew to Austria to go to the Red Bull Center, and then I tested positive for COVID, so I <laughs> oh, like man. took a bit of a took a bit of a hit. Yeah, and so I spent three weeks there, basically resting. And the funny thing with the concussion is like everyone's like, "You need rest, you need rest, you need rest." But after a certain time, it's like every other muscle you can't just rest because your brain will just go stagnant. And it's yeah. like I had to do eye exercises, coordination stuff. Uh, starting to build back into the process of getting back into training. And that took like well over three weeks. And so I was five weeks without training, no mountain biking of any sorts to the point where they were like, okay, your brain is at the point where now it can start handling these things. And then it's still tentative. It's like step by step. And there's like a seven step protocol to come back to, to racing. Yeah. So it starts with easy, like easy activity, maybe increased heart rate activity or a longer time. And then like doing something outside strength training, so on, so on back to the mountain bike and then back to racing. And I had to take all these steps super carefully. And I was lucky enough that it's sort of lined up perfectly with the Leo gang world cup. So I had one day at Schladming and, uh, and then we went to Leo gang. So it was this crazy thing where I'd never experienced anything like this. And, and having a concussion is so frustrating because 
even when you come back, you have these weird feelings, but you're not sure if it's the concussion or if your brain has been doing nothing for five weeks. Yeah, so yeah. it's like you feel lethargic, you feel tired, you feel stupid. It was like I was doing like basic math problems in my room because I was like, how's my brain? Like I haven't done anything <laughs> for five weeks. You know, I felt like I was going, getting stupid and um, you start to doubt yourself and like anxiety and, and frustration. And I never really got particularly sad or anything like that. Cause there was only six weeks, but I could imagine if that goes on and for time, you're, yeah, yeah. you're really going to start to feel it. And then, I mean, it didn't help, but halfway through Loic got injured as well. Yeah. Christopher was injured in Fort William and it yeah. was like, what are we doing? You know, like the whole team was out. So it was like, I felt really bad that I wasn't able to, to, you know, be there to yeah. race because of my head and it was like why isn't my head getting better you know i should just be able to tell myself it's time to go yeah and it, it's not so it's one of those things where it's like such a non-linear injury where it's not like you need to have a bunch of rehab to fix it yeah. there's so much that goes into it and it could be good it can be bad it can be great it could be horrible and it's like riding a wave and eventually you'll come out the other side but i think that concussions are one of those things where people used to just go yeah i'm tough i'm solid i'm i'm ready to go and it's it's so detrimental to your long-term health and you have to take the time to make sure that you're you're a hundred percent right and ready to go yeah or else you can they can last six months they can last years there's people that are 10 years deep on concussions that can't get back to being a hundred percent and i just absolutely can't have that for myself because it's it's I need my brain for life outside of biking too. 100% man. Yeah, and good on you for taking the time and, and doing it in the right way. And that makes that kind of Lear Gang performance look even more impressive. Like that amount of time off the bike to come back to quality second mm. and then finish sixth. People need to be pretty afraid of you here this week, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I was really happy. I was I was a bit frustrated in Leo Gang, but it was one of those things where it's like I I had an injury, but... I do know how to ride a bike. And it, it's, it goes back to what I said with Kevin. It's all this work we've put in, me and him, and just knowing each other that when I come back, he's ready to go, I'm ready to go, and the team is 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 ready to go. And I think that this weekend, after what we've been doing the last little while, I've, I'm feeling ready and I'm excited to, to ride this new course. I'm excited to see what we can do with this new bike and uh, hopefully we can... We can uh, we can beat a few French people. <laughs> good stuff, man. And that must feel good to you, Kev, for, for Finn to be able to take that time out and then to come back into this process and this environment that you've been able to create for him and work together with him on and to have, you know, to be back yeah. at the very sharp end straight away. For me also was the same um, thing. Like I never had an athlete with uh, that uh, injury before. So that was, uh, we talked a lot trying to, for me to understand how he was because I don't want it to rush him. So we take time, we readjust uh, things, but we had only two days of riding before heading to Leo Gang. Yeah. So that was a, uh, a super uh, um, short amount of time to be efficient. But once we get back together, uh, th things seems to be simple. <laughs> so uh, he come back super quick. And uh, yeah, obviously the second place at Quali was super... I was like, oh my god, this is this guy is is tough, huh? <laughs> and uh, and yeah, we make it uh, happen. Like during the race run, uh, was a was a bit of a hard hard race to to deal with uh, the the weather change, and mm. there was um, some different um, adjustment that we need to do. So we were not maybe the the having the best uh, setup ever, mm -hmm. but from what we've been through and what we did, we achieved in two days to be back racing at this level was was we were happy we we are not happy because we always look for a win uh, we are super Podium, competitor everything yeah but sure. after the after the race you realize that oh, okay that that's cool like like five days ago we were not super sure that you can ride a bike fast like even ride a bike <laughs> then uh that was pretty pretty solid weekend and just make us even more confident for the rest of the season good stuff well i'm stoked you're back healthy mate it's really Thank good you. to see Cheers. good to see you guys both firing on form this season excited to see how the rest of the year goes excited to see the new bike as well yeah um so yeah thanks for taking the time to sit down it's cool to to chat and find out more about both of you and, and how that relationship works so yeah thanks, thank man. you yeah thank Have you a good so weekend. much cheers you thank too. you Bye -bye. cheers, cheers. <laughs> 
All right, that's it for this episode with Finn and Kev. I hope you've enjoyed listening and found it interesting. A big thank you to Kushkor for making this episode happen. If you want to go bigger, corner harder and ride faster with total confidence, you can get your hands on them over at kushkor.com. The latest range of awesome clothing from Leia is now available over at leia.com. I've been testing it this year and there have been a few standout items for me. Today, I talked about the Trail 3.0 shorts, which are a perfectly cut and amazingly comfortable pair of trail riding shorts. Head over to layout.com to check out the entire range. Also, a big thank you to Magura for supporting this episode. The Magura MT7 Pros are genuinely the best brakes I've ever used, and what's more, you can use the Magura Customize Your Brake options to get the perfect setup for you when it comes to performance, aesthetics, and ergonomics. Head over to magura.com to check them out. Here's a few other links that might be useful to you too downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you don't miss an episode forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch and forward slash ep if you'd like to get your hands on copies of our lovely print project downtime ep as always spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening that's it for today we're gonna have another awesome episode coming up really soon but until next time get out and ride (laughs) 